From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome to YourOlympics.com podcast. Tom Kirkland and the crew here with you as we celebrate the fourth Winter Youth Olympic Games, Gangwon 2024, about to start in the Republic of Korea. When the first YAG cauldron was lit in Singapore 2010, it represented the beginning of a new international event, created to draw in the world's youth, to celebrate through sports, and ultimately to live by the Olympic values of friendship, excellence, and respect. The first Winter Youth Olympic Games was Innsbruck, Austria, 2012. Then 2016, that winter yag was Lillehammer. 2020 was, of course, Lausanne, and now we're excited about Gangwon 2024. Approximately 1,900 athletes competing in seven winter sports and 15 disciplines of the same, all hoping to be among the lucky few who make the podium in the 81 medal events. Once again, there will be gender equality in 34 events for both men and women. I have the honor of hosting the Gangwon opening and closing ceremonies right here on Olympics.com with my esteemed colleague Rory Jawani. The opening ceremony will be performed from two venues, Gangyung and Pyeongchang, member host city of the 2018 Olympic Winter Games. Sustainability and limiting damaging footprints is one of the ongoing goals of the International Olympic Committee, so it's important to know many of the existing venues from Pyeongchang 2018 will be used again for events in Gangwon 2024. So the connections between the legendary Olympic movement and the emerging story of the Youth Olympic Games is strong and progressive. To help us better understand the importance of the Olympic and Youth Olympics relationship, we're delighted to welcome Jen Dodds to the Olympics.com podcast. Jen's embracing her role as games ambassador and athletes role model in Gangwon, and her sports CV will get everybody's attention. Jen Dodds, the 2021 European champion and mixed doubles world champion in curling, representing Scotland. Then Jen won Olympic curling gold with Team GB at Beijing 2022. Eve Muirhead, Vicky Wright, Jennifer Dodds, Haley Duff win the gold medal for Great Britain. What a game. Jen Dodds, welcome to the Olympics.com podcast. So happy to have a chance to talk yeah, to you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get right to the heart of the story. I like to get uh, right into it. How does an office assistant for a soil management company become an Olympic champion? <laughs> walk me through that. Uh, okay. Um, so I started curling when I was seven or eight years old. Cool. Um, it was very much within the family. Um, that's how my parents met. My grandparents played. So... I wouldn't, I would never say they pushed me into it, but it was very much, you need to give it a go at least once. And if you don't like it, that's fine. So uh, I have an older brother, so he was able to start playing first. So I was on the other side of the glass looking on. Um, and I think that's where I got my hunger from for it. I saw everyone else play and I wasn't old enough yet. So when I hit sort of seven, eight years old, I was on the ice straight away and pretty much there was no looking back from there so yeah went through sort of the sort of performance uh, pathway in, in Scotland so under 17s juniors and then got into the British curling program and yeah it was just a lot of hard work to get there but yeah I enjoyed every minute of it so yeah the the office assistant was just a very fortunate job and they were really good to me because obviously curling is a 
a winter sport so in the yep. summer we we still train but we're not on ice so we have a bit more time on our hands and uh, the company just needed someone to cover the summer um, so it was a win-win for both of us and I did that for like nine years or something like that wow. so yeah it was a really good balance for me that's great got your hands dirty as it were huh <laughs> <laughs> just a little yeah you know a lot of things we're going to meander through but what do you love about your sport Oh, where to begin? I think it is the perfect combination of your physical, mental aspects of sport. And I think this, the other thing that makes curling special, it's social as well. Like you do have times on the ice that when your opposition are playing, like even now when you're standing with one of your teammates, you just chat away and you can just chat about the most random things. But it takes your mind off curling for a minute. Like I, I do struggle to believe you can't concentrate because curling, you can be two and a half hours on ice. You cannot concentrate all that time. Right. So you need to find those moments to switch off. So for me, that sort of wee social aspect, love it. I think it's just the perfect sport, but I could be a little biased. Well, you, you should be. <laughs> uh, before we dig into your curling career, let's focus on Gangwon 2024, the fourth Winter Youth Olympic Games. What does a games ambassador do do i need to call you uh ambassador dodds or are we okay <laughs> no no i'm I'm sure it's okay just check. okay so yeah like i um wanted to go there and just sort of help the athletes enjoy their experience obviously it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for them and they are fortunate enough to being selected for their their country and i think it's a, a lot of their first experience maybe competing outside their country so I just want to help them embrace the experience just to make it as enjoyable as possible for them in any way possible and hopefully pass on a wee bit of knowledge as well if if they want to hear from me because I I didn't actually get to go to a youth olympics so I think for these athletes it's a great thing for their sort of career and the progression because it's probably the closest thing you'll get to the Olymp the actual Olympics, so it's it's a great preparation for them. Right, uh, and official athletes role model. I guess that's incorporated in your earlier answer, but you know that's that's an interesting thing because so many of these of these kids are incredibly talented, but they need to sort of, you know, figure out how to get from A to B to C in a career, and you know, at the Olympics, and, and so there's so much uh, fertile ground for you to work there as a role model. Oh, absolutely. Like, as I said before, yeah, this is this is a great stepping stone, but I think it, it's going to be one of many. And I think that's that's the thing a lot of people don't see behind the scenes. You do get a lot of a lot of knocks and you get a lot of highs, but it's it's all that small progression that a lot of people don't see behind the scenes is the real important part. Like going from something like the Youth Olympics to get to the Olympics, it looks like you're going to climb a mountain, but you have to bring it back to the small increments and that makes that task easier. And then you have people that can help you on the way, like your coaches and other support staff and your friends and family. And for me, the athlete role model, if I can help that tiny bit on their their progression up the mountain, since I've I've been on that route. So if I can help them You've in. You've been at the day, top of the mountain, I would say. Yeah, top of the mountain, <laughs> the yeah. The podium. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've been there and seen the view. So yeah, if I can pass on any knowledge or anything that I have looked back on and been like, oh, I, if I did it again, I think I might do this differently. Yeah, just anything like that. I'd just love to pass on any knowledge I can. That's great. 
Obviously, mental health is, is now a huge focus in our day and age at home, at work, but certainly uh, among elite athletes. Uh, I guess part of your role, not to put words in your mouth, but I mean, not only sharing your experience, but encouraging young athletes to, you know, if, if you feel something, say something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think what you just said there, if you feel something, say something, I think that is so important. Like I've only learned that in the last three Mm. years and I'm 32 now. So I would really encourage the athletes going to the youth Olympics. Like if, if something doesn't feel right with you today, like don't be scared to say to your coach, like, I just feel like this today. And they would be like, okay, I'm sure they'd be like, okay, how can I help you? Do we need to do anything differently? Anything like that? Like it makes them understand you better as well. And they can support you more like in a better way as well. Um, like I've, I've had my mental health struggles over, over sort of even the last four years. And that's how I learned, okay, I need to speak about this. Cause if I hold it in, it just becomes like a volcano and you just build up, things get built up, built up, built up. And then you get to the point of, oh my God, I can't cope with this anymore. And you just kind of implode. So I think it is really important, um, especially in professional sport, because you do have so much mm-hmm. pressure, probably mostly from yourself, but you do have external pressures and stress and expectation, which you might not find in uh, maybe, let's say, a normal job so it is very important to talk yeah, about and maybe at the lower end of that is there something to the idea that you know being nervous and, and anxious is almost a preparation part of an athlete's you know you're getting ready to go to an event or something it's some of it's normal like don't flip out it's that's part of your body and mind getting ready yeah i would always say nerves is a good thing yep. um like it shows that you care and you want to do the best you can possibly do and i think nerves and being anxious just shows that you really really want it but i think the key is how to manage it and control them and knowing they that they're not a bad thing but it's just how how do you cope with them and find your sort of strategies to kind of use them in the best possible way uh, your teammate and the skip of your 2022 Beijing Olympic gold medal team, Eve Muirhead, is in Gangwon, uh, the, uh, Team GB's yep. chef de mission. Uh, possible that you will make a special visit, obviously with her. I mean, your friends and teammates and everything, but maybe to Team GB as well. Um, I'm, I might take a wee visit. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Eve will maybe pop into the, the curling rink a couple of times, oh, yeah. I think. So I'm sure I'll catch up with her at some point. So, yeah, it's really nice to having sort of two out of the team kind of being part of the Youth Olympics. Um, I think that shows like even another one of our teammates, uh, Vicky, from our Olympic team, she's also part of the Youth Olympics too. So it's really nice to see kind of all of us giving back in different ways and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm... I'm excited to catch up with Eve. I'm sure we'll grab a coffee at some point. Yeah, and you mentioned that's it's a it's a perfect uh, segue. I've learned when we give, we also receive, and just curious what these kind of helping experiences do for you. For me, I just I just want to see other people succeed, and if I can help in any way possible, that's that's great. I I love to see even just like in a. I know I'm not going to be in a coaching role at at the Youth Olympics, but. For me, seeing you help someone and you see them conquer something they've been struggling with or mastering something, it's just seeing the the satisfaction and the, like the happiness that they're like, right, I've got this, I've cracked this kind of thing. For me, seeing their confidence grow and just seeing that 
you can see them start to believe in themselves as well, being like, I can do this. And for me, that is such, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just an amazing feeling seeing people succeeding. And you've just had a tiny part to play, but it's it's just such a special feeling. Absolutely. that That's true. Um, so your uncle, two-time Olympian, Norman Brown, and you mentioned so many family connections to uh, to curling. What do you remember and cherish about your Olympic experiences, uh, apart from obviously top of the podium. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, the medal, that's big stuff. Yeah. Like, um, like that's the, the obvious answer, isn't it? But I think for, for me, like I played the mixed doubles as well, which was um, before the men's and women's event. And I think one thing I'm proudest of myself was obviously coming forth in the mixed doubles was such a disappointment like we wanted to medal and we were coming in as world champions so coming forth was obviously devastating but we had 24 hours to turn around and then go and play women's events so I'm looking back I'm so proud of myself to be like right like I moved on so quickly and it didn't affect neither me or Bruce my mixed doubles partner going into our events and so for that I was like I'm so proud of myself for that but at the same time like there's so many mom- like little moments when you're in the Olympic Village, when you're with, when I was with my team and stuff like that. Like it was obviously a COVID Olympic, so it was a wee bit different. But right. we had so much fun together when we were off ice and stuff like that. Yeah, there's there's so I could probably speak about it for hours, and I'd probably find a million things that I love. <laughs> but there's one moment, like if I take out of it, it was before the final. And the boys played their final the night before and we hadn't seen them. So they got silver. Um, So we hadn't seen them since their final. And we were, our final was the following morning. So we were at 9 a.m. So around eight o'clock in the morning, we were warming up, getting ready to play. And out of nowhere, Hammy and Bruce from uh, the men's team just rocked up and just kind of, I would say rugby tackled us, but maybe not the right way, but <laughs> surprised us. Um, and they, and obviously that was the first time we saw them. Uh, and me and Bruce are such a close friends. So you obviously want to be like, congratulations on your silver, but obviously we know you want to go, but you did so well. And I remember both of them just being like, forget us, go out and go out and smash it. You know, you've got this. And there's a picture of me and Bruce hugging at like the last like that was the last time before we were just about to go on ice and I felt that was just a such a wee special moment and I'm so glad it got captured because I think it just shows the friendship we we all had within the men's and women's teams like we were all so close I think probably because we were stuck in a bubble with each other for so long it was like felt like a year yeah it just just small moments like that just I, I I really cherish those ones but obviously nothing can top standing on the top of the podium but those little moments I, I do yeah, it feels that. and sounds like a grounding moment before the most important, you know, battle of your career. I mean, it seems like a perfect little bit of a break to, you know, sort of chill you out and, and re- reinforce your self-belief. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was just kind of almost a bit of breaking the tension, probably a wee bit. Just yep. them coming in and just talking probably the most amount of rubbish. <laughs> probably helped the situation as well. <laughs> um, but you need moments like that kind of again take your mind off it because your mind before going on and playing cat for me can probably run a wee bit kind of run away with itself so yeah it was maybe a 
a perfect scenario for us um, just before the final. So I won't say they won it like they helped us win, but they had a week. That's good. And, and again, you, we've referenced it a couple of times, but uh, on top of the podium, the gold around your neck, it's heavier. People say it's heavier than they thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My neck was sore standing on the podium for so long. I had to start holding the medal because I was like, my neck. I think it was because I think someone said over the whole Olympics, me and Bruce won ice for 20, no, 56 hours of competing between the mixed doubles and women's. So I think my body was just absolutely knackered and my neck was like, what are you doing to me? This is the last thing I want to do. But we were holding the medal and just standing so proudly. But yeah, that is the first thing everyone says when they hold it. They're like, oh my God that is so heavy just look like for the size of it you think it shouldn't be that heavy so yeah no it's it's a pretty cool thing pretty cool understatement of of (laughs) your life uh all right so milano cortino 2026 what's your thoughts about that it feels like it's coming around quickly but it's still two years away so Mm -hmm. um yeah i would i would love obviously love to go back I do feel like there's a wee bit of unfinished business with the mixed doubles obviously coming forth. So I I would love to go back to to compete in the mixed doubles again. Also women's, like how often could you have a chance to try and retain your title? So yeah, well, just now I'm still looking at both, but who knows what happens down the line. But that's definitely sort of in the forefront of my mind just now. You're a full go. There's no no thoughts about anything else. I mean, it's a long way away. I get that. But that's on your calendar. Oh, yeah. Like everything we do is planning towards 2026. Like even after Beijing, going into the next season, everything we do is like, right, how is this going to help us in 2026? Which is really kind of hard when it's four years away to kind of comprehend mm-hmm. but when you get to this point so for curling you gain olympic points at world championships to qualify your country to the olympics so this season so our worlds are Mar- in march this year so this is the first year to gain olympic points and then we've got the following year so it's almost like the the olympic journey starts now so yeah it it starts out further than i think most people think yeah uh, it's interesting because i i think Fans have really grown to love curling and you you know, you get crowds at the Olympics and finally Milano Cortino, you'll have fans. I'm sure, you know, maybe that's in the background, but man, that's, that's a huge part of the Olympic experience that maybe you didn't fully get in Beijing. Yeah. Like there was like a very, very small crowd. Um, right. And then obviously we, for us, we had our sort of team GB contingents of, well, half the time it was probably just, three people who were allowed in the building at some point so yeah I think I I would love to go to Milan and Cortina obviously because it's not going to be a COVID Olympics and you could get like the atmosphere in Beijing was so great but you almost had to create it yourself so yeah it'll be again another new experience having the noise of an Olympic crowd like even though I've been to Olympics I've never experienced that so I would love to see that and I think some of the best moments I've ever played is in front of a huge crowd with loads of noise. And then you're like, you've got your goosebumps, you've got the hair standing on end. It's just incredible, incredible experience. Like that's like even just a couple of moments. I'm just like, oh, even now I'm getting the goosebumps kind of thing. So I would love to have that at an Olympics. Yeah. I mean, the crowd kind of creates a lot of the adrenaline. I mean, you have natural athletes adrenaline before a huge event, but then you know, the crowd does its part for that too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think they can really turn a game around as well. If you're down in a game, 
if you feel like the crowd's behind you, it's almost like, well, we we do, in, I was going to say in curling, it's like a fifth man, but it's almost like a sixth man because we already have a fifth person. Um, <laughs> so it's almost like a, a sixth man. So um, it can really even change a game. Like it can turn on its head. Like you could, if you feel like you've got the crowd and the momentum, there's no, it almost feels like there's no stopping you sometimes. And that's just that is like even if you're on the other side and you see that happening with the other team that is a scary scary thing to see so you're like oh no here we go um so yeah like games like that when it's like like almost the crowd changes and it's like oh we're supporting this team now they're supporting this team now that's that's pretty cool all right drilling down a little bit on curling what about your youth your upbringing do you think makes you a good fit for this can i call it a thinking athlete sport yeah, I would say like it's described as chess on ice. So yeah, there's a lot of thinking behind it. Um, for me, I think obviously I knew I was talented. Um, because I, I like I enjoyed it and I was doing well. But I think for me, like for me at school, I was not the best at school. I struggled in school. I have dyslexia and I just struggled with it. So it was almost like I was putting my energy into the things I knew I was good at. And I spent so much time in the curling rink and watching curling um, and everything like that. So I think I like I did okay at school, but I think I just really challenged my energy being like, no, I like even when I was at school, there was no full time curlers. It it wasn't a thing, but I knew I wanted to be a curler. So I think for me, yeah, just working hard from that early age made quite a difference. I'm going to ask uh, a dumb question. And I, you know, sometimes I get great answers from my dumbest questions. <laughs> uh, wh- what do you guys do? I know everybody train cross trains these days for whatever sport they're involved in. I mean, what is your go-to? Uh, is there meditation? Is there running? Is there weights? What, what, what does the off ice thing look like? Yeah. So a lot, I always get asked quite a lot. Why? So we go to the gym, we do weights, three times a week and then we do like conditioning sessions as well and it's so funny the amount of people ask like why do you go to the gym that much when you curl like when you curl (laughs) um and all i say is you try sweeping on a floor with a brush 20 seconds six times 10 times for eight hours in not eight hours three hours sorry um and you tell me after that why we don't go to the gym because wow Obviously, we're on ice for so long. The sweeping, you're doing intervals and it's max efforts um, around 20 seconds and it's for two and a half hours. And I think the more physically fit you are as well, you almost feel more mentally fit as well. Um, And again, you're on the ice for two and a half hours. You need to have that kind of strong mental um, capability. So yeah, we do, we do that. We do a a bit of yoga as well. And I think for me, that's, that's really important for me. Like, as I said before, my brain can run away with itself sometimes. So it's just being able to be in the present and switch your brain off, which I get into about four years ago, I wasn't able to do. So there was actually some ever one day coming out of a yoga class and I was like, I'm not thinking anything at the moment. Isn't that a great feeling? I find that sometimes when I'm doing what I do. (laughs) I found it bizarre because obviously I am usually like things always going on in my head. And I just sat in the car and drove home in silence. Like I turned the radio off and I was just like, this is a bizarre feeling. But now I understand what people mean. (laughs) So like even things like that is it can 
bring in like it can help your curling as well I think it is important to have things outside of your sport just to being able to switch off that brain and you're not overthinking things all the time um, I do think that is an important important thing to have yeah for sure all right finally what do you hope Gangwon Gangwon brings to young athletes who are fortunate enough to to be there what's your message to them it's gonna sound so simple and it's you were talking about dumb questions it might be a bit of a dumb answer but <laughs> um go out have fun and enjoy it like for me I always find I play my best when I am having fun and enjoying it so just go out and enjoy it and embrace the experience like it's a multi-sport event I don't know if you you might not get that until maybe you get to the Olympics so embrace the experience and just enjoy every second of it I don't think there's a huge like a massive complicated thing but I think if you just go out and enjoy it like you're gonna come home with a smile if even if you don't get a medal you you've had an amazing experience yeah that is that is so true uh Jen Dodds thanks so much for joining us on this olympics.com podcast uh enjoy gang one 2024 and we'll be following your uh career as you continue to take on challenges and uh, this was really uh a lot of fun and and uh and uh, I learned a lot thank you Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a lot, a lot of fun. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Podcast. No doubt Jen will have an amazing and inspiring effect on all the athletes she mentors in Gangwon. There's so much more interesting original feature content on curling right across our platform at Olympics.com. For instance, and this is a good one, Five Rings Films, a brilliant curling story. Five Rings Films presents the story of five unassuming but fiercely driven women from Scotland who surprised everyone by winning curling gold for Team GB at the 2002 Olympic Winter Games in Salt Lake City. Well, that's it for this episode of the Olympics.com podcast. Thanks for being a part of the Olympic community and make sure to catch up on the latest from the Winter Youth Olympics Gangwon 2024 right here as well. We have teams on the ground there providing timely features and information. Also, follow the Road to Paris 2024 Olympic qualification process right here as well. Hey, we'll see you next time. For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on olympics.com.